Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark and with me, as always, the man that wouldn't eat spaghetti with tomato sauce on it, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? Uh, Richard, I'm doing very well. I actually have an update to you on that. We actually had spaghetti for, for dinner tonight. Um, and I'm pleased to report that I do eat spaghetti with sauce and meatballs now. So, whoa, 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 whoa. Now in college, I made spaghetti one time, or maybe it was Kate. I don't remember, but you refused to put tomato sauce on it. And I grilled you for hours. So, so now you're eating spaghetti with the sauce. Like you're not pulling my chain here. Um, no chains are being pulled. It's been, uh, it's been a long 10 years since my days in college and I've learned my ways and, um, things are just too dry without the sauce. So I just, uh, I've, I, I've changed, I've changed in 10 years in a decade. Yes. I, uh, you know, I feel like that was the argument. So both I'm proud of you. Thank you. I'm proud Thank of you. you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Before we get into everything, I want to thank everyone for coming back and taking time to listen to the Forks Down podcast. All our returning listeners, welcome back. All our first-time listeners, thank you for choosing the Forks Down podcast. And hopefully, we're your new home for Mariners baseball talk as we go forward. You know, the season's not too far away. And, uh, you know, pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting in February. And then spring training starts in March. And, uh... You know, Bo and I both are excited for that. So, you know, welcome aboard and hopefully we can help you get ready for spring training. So if you haven't already, please go like our social media page, pages, because there's multiple, but um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram searching Forks Down Podcast. You can also hit like and subscribe on your podcast listening app and you'll get notified when we drop new episodes and, uh, that's usually on Tuesdays. So, uh, yeah, definitely go and do that. It'll help us know that you're uh, excited for uh, Forkstown podcast. And, you know, we can start discussions on there if we want to. So go like it up. So before we uh, get into our meat and potatoes today, because we're switching it up, um, you know, we want to hit some Mariners notes and uh, some some MLB notes um, that were that have transpired um, since we last shot a podcast, um, Bo, you want to go over the Mariners notes real quickly? Cause there wasn't many of them. Yep. Sure thing. Um, weren't that many of them. And, um, I mean, also not really going to move the needle a whole lot, but anyways, um, justice Sheffield was outright to Tacoma. Um, to remember the last update that we had was, uh, justice Sheffield was designated for assignment. Um, nobody picked him up off waivers and um, then he got sent back to uh, sent back to Tacoma. So that's where Justin Sheffield is. Um, uh, kind of, we'll see if he ends up in, uh, it'll be in Tacoma. We'll see if he gets a chance in a Mariner uniform sometime this year, but um, regardless, Justin Sheffield is back with the Mariners. Um, Alberto Rodriguez was somebody that was also DFA'd. Um, he got outrighted to Everett. Um, he was uh, 
this kind of outfielder. Um, I believe he came over in a trade with the Blue Jays back a couple of years ago, um, but uh, also back in as a Mariner uniform. Um, the Mariners very briefly signed Jason Vossler, um, somebody that's kind of puttered around in the uh, oh, in the Giants system for a little bit, and um, the Cubs system for a little bit, and had a couple a couple of tees in the majors, but never nothing really ever stuck. Really took, um, and then the manor subsequently released him, um, which is kind of an odd affair, but um, likely due to him probably getting some sort of deal um, over in Japan for like full time, full playing time, rather than just kind of uh, you know a roster invite and hoping to make the team. So um, wish him the best there. And then um, it's just kind of a minor note, but Paul Seawald um, did have some. Uh, it looks like um, minor cleanup done to his uh, foot, or I guess specifically to his heel and his elbow. Um, mm-hmm. The kind of when it happened, we're not quite sure. Um, I guess when it when the when the procedure and when all that happened, but um, I guess he's a little questionable for opening day at this point. So we'll see if he uh, if he starts opening day or not. But um, kind of seems like it may just been something that maybe was lingering after the season and then they were thinking about going and fixing it or anything like that. Kind of like they did with Andres Menunos or Cal Raleigh, but, um, yeah, Paul Seawald, regardless, that's some sort of procedure done and, um, we'll see if he makes opening day. I would, I would be surprised. I would be surprised if he, I would be surprised if he is not at least like ready to go in a situation of some sort, but very well might not pitch the first couple of days either. So we'll see. With, in regards to the seawall stuff, what would be their reasoning? This is obviously something they probably knew at the end of the season last season. Why uh, why didn't they just elect to do it after the season as opposed to wait until right before pitchers and catchers are supposed to, uh, uh, you know, report? Yeah, I mean, I, I think guys just kind of think like, oh, it's just something minor that I don't really have to worry too much about. I, I mean... I, I, yeah, I kind of just think of it that way. It's like they may have thought it wasn't as minor and then they kind of went back in and maybe took another look at it and thought it was a little bit more major than that. So um, I kind of think of that as just like, uh, I'm going to fight through it. Nothing that's bothering me too much. And then maybe something popped up playing catch or something there. So um, yeah. And I guess yeah. the, I guess also well, the timeline of when it exactly happened isn't quite known. So this very well might have happened, um, you know, sometime in December, maybe even, I don't know, maybe late November. I'm not sure yet, but uh who knows? Yep. Yeah, it. You know, I've been seeing a lot of videos. Um, you know, it could have could have been certainly people. You know, back last year when pitchers and catchers reported, but it looked like um, pitchers. You know, especially are are getting ramped up, probably um, getting more of their workouts in, and getting. I'm not saying 100% MLB ready for the season, but you know, just starting to get their arms loose and warm and. You know, it could have been probably one of those things that Seawald uh, started throwing. He goes, oh, you know, we're not really, I don't feel right here, you know. And so they probably, you know, like you said, um, just wanted to, to take care of it. And we hope that he's uh, ready opening day. So, yeah. Um, On the MLB side of things, you know, you hit the Mariners notes. The MLB side of things, there hasn't been much, you know, some minor moves here and there. The one big thing that happened today on Monday um, you know, I am a big MLB the show fan. Shout out to my friend Cody Esman or our friend Cody Esman. Um, he's a big MLB the show fan as well. And they announced the cover athlete. Um, we thought 
at least I thought Julio had a very good shot of being the cover athlete this year. Um, you know, rookie of the year, kind of going to be the uh, the uh, big bright spot in Seattle, you know. And uh, they announced the Jazz Chisholm from the Miami Marlins um, <clears throat> were was elected the cover athlete. Bo, I know um, you call him Brother Chisholm, or maybe that's Cody. Um, cousin Chisholm. You know, Co- cousin, what Chisholm. Do you, what do you, cousin Chisholm. Cousin, cousin Chisholm. Chisholm. Cousin Jism. Okay. What, how do you feel? What I, I, you know, I don't think you knew this. Maybe you did, but how do you feel? Cousin Chisholm making, uh, the, the cover of MLB, the show 23. Um, you know, I'm not too, um, I guess upset about it for the most part. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, obviously I want it to be Julio, but, um, Julio is going to get his shot on there. I think sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, I know Tatis was on the cover of the show, you know, pretty close to like his, uh, you know, breakout and all that. But, um, you know, Julio will get his chance. So uh, I'm not too worried about it. Um, Jazz is a good, fine young player. Um, a pretty eccentric and, you know, kind of outgoing guy. So fun to see him there. Um, I don't really have any other choices besides Julio, but Julio will get his time sometime in the future. Yeah. I, you know, after it was announced, there was a lot of disappointment among among Mariners fans that I saw. Um, one thing that you know, it's just speculation. There's there's nothing, you know, no way to substantiate these claims or whatnot. Could be a thing where Julio was, you know, back in the Dominican Republic. You know, he's there's been a lot of, uh, uh, I wouldn't say good PR, but you know, videos of him coming out doing stuff like donating ambulances, you know, just giving back to his community. Um, and so maybe he uh, was in the Dominican Republic or, or busy and, you know, SDS, who is the maker of MLB The Show, um, wanted to get someone that could probably promote the game a little bit more, come up, do photo shoots, stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, Joe Mauer back in the day made, I think it was two MLB The Show covers, and he was very very involved in the promotional aspect of it. Um, so much so, you know, that, you know, they did interviews and, and like gameplay stuff with him, which was kind of cool. So maybe jazz is going to be that, that promotional guy that's going to come out and, you know, he actually plays the game too. So he knows his way around the show. So I guess from my spam standpoint, sad Julio wasn't going to do it, but it's understandable or wasn't going to do it. Julio didn't get elected. Jazz Chisholm, great pick. You know, he he's a he's a gamer. He's eccentric. He sh- he's going to be a good representative of MLB the show. So, yeah. So, um, that's the notes we have today, folks. Um, we're going to try a little bit something different. We're going to have a little fun show here. Um, we are first and foremost our, our name's Forks Down podcast. Um, you know, we we claim to be a Mariners podcast, which is 100% true. Every episode we've done so far has been a Mariners episode, but I think Bo and I would be very, very remiss, um, you know, if we don't mention and talk about today one team um, that's kind of been on our minds quite a bit, at least my mind. Um, for those of you don't, that don't know, outside of the Seattle Mariners, uh, Bo and I, like all the Seattle sports teams, you know, with the exception of Bo his heavy disdain for the uh, Seahawks. 
Indi- indifference, uh, indifference, not disdain, indifference. Oh. Yes. Oh, oh, come on now, come on. But um, you know, we're we're big, uh, big Kraken fan. Um, we're big Sounders fan, stuff like that. And uh, you know, it's just kind of cool to see the Seattle Kraken, the NHL team, doing what they're doing right now. Um, they, uh, you know, for those of you that don't know, they were expansion team last year, um, had their inaugural season. And, um, I think there was a lot of high expectations. Um, you know, they watched the last expansion team, the Las Vegas golden Knights come in and basically almost get to the Stanley cup in their first season. And, and a lot of fans thought, Oh yeah, we can do that. And when it came time for the expansion draft, um, you know, a lot of teams certainly uh, learned their lesson from their last one. You know, they they only dangled certain players, players that were past their prime or were going to eat up a lot of cap space. And um, it made it difficult for the Kraken in their first season. Um, you know, they, they didn't make a lot of trades. Um, they did get a lot of draft picks, and they, they certainly, you know, their first draft pick being Maggie Beaners, um, has, has certainly made a difference and. So year one, they didn't do well. This is year two, and they're going into the All-Star break this season as the top dog first place in the Pacific Division, um, which is just an incredible turnaround. And, uh, you know, it's it's the first time ever being at the top in team history, you know. So, Bo, have, have you been watching the Kraken? Are you watching a little bit? I'm I'm watching a little bit. Yep, trying to watch, trying to watch more all the time. Um, mm-hmm. I would definitely say I'm still a uh, definitely say I'm still a novice in my um, in my hockey journey here. But um, it's been fun to uh, follow along with the team, and um, you know, I think making the jump from uh, where they were last year to now is uh, exciting to see. I think. Um, uh, you know, I like the, I like comparing players and I like, you know, comparing it to the things that I know. So it's very exciting to see somebody like Maddie Beniers compared to, you know, like a Julio Rodriguez. That's just in my mind is a very easy comparison to make. And it's very great to see what kind mm-hmm. of Maddie Beniers is doing. Um, and I think overall it's, uh, you know, it's good for the city of Seattle. I'm following it more. I'm seeing more Kraken stuff all the time. When I go out, I think the people are starting to get behind the team and, uh, myself included. So trying to watch more all the time, um, learn more about the game and, uh, just kind of be closer to the team. Yeah. I, I mean, you're, you know, you're over in Seattle. You said you're seeing a lot more Kraken stuff all the time. You know, when we went to the game, we saw a bunch of the Mariners game last October, I should specify. We saw actually quite a bit of cracking gear. At least I I noticed it. Um, you know, so it's it's good that people are starting to get behind the cracking. Um, I know you've been to um, their training facility, and uh, I don't know if you've been there recently. Are more and more people kind of going to the training facility as uh, as you know they start to get better and better, and you know get more notoriety, you know, behind the you know, their name. Yeah. So I would say like, uh, you know, the practice facility is also just a great little community ice plex for, um, 
you know, just general skating and um, other events that people want to have, especially when it comes to like hockey practice or figure skating practice or anything like that. And it's just getting used more and more. So I feel like they're also becoming more ingrained in the community and the city of Seattle itself. So it was a great idea for them to do that, to put that iceplex kind of right there in the Northgate area. Um, and I think that's mm-hmm. growing the game, obviously. I think that's growing um, the game in the uh, Pacific Northwest. It's growing Kraken fans. And um, yeah, no, I think we I think you actually were here the last time we went there. So it was uh, it was a good little uh, it's a great little place to go to. And it is I think it is helping grow, especially hockey in Seattle and growing more Kraken fans and getting people to the team store there to buy in their Kraken gear. So they really did. I think they promoted the team very well, I think. And um, that's all that helped kind of grow um, the fan base uh, here in the, you know, Seattle and greater Seattle area. Yeah, yeah. And it just, it's icing on the cake right now. They're, they're in the All-Star break. Um, Maddie Beneers was elected to the All-Star game, um, you know, as a rookie. Unfortunately, he can't play because he got injured a couple couple games ago. Um, but uh, we were looking at the stats before uh, we, we hopped on because, um, you know, we, we wanted to see how far or how further away teams are because, um, you know, they're only ahead by one point. But something that's kind of different than the MLB is, um, for the most part, most teams will go into an all-star break and have played the same amount of games. Um, it, it's a little different in the NHL. You know, the, the Kraken have played 49 games and have 63 points. Now, you get two points for a win, one point for um, an overtime loss, two points, obviously, for an overtime win, and then zero points for a, regular, a regulation loss. So they played 49 games, had 63 points. The team following them is, ironically, the Vegas Golden Knights, the, the previous expansion team. They have 62 points, but they've played 51 games, you know. Um, the Kings in third, they've got 62 points tied with the Golden Knights, but they've played 52, you know, so, you know, the Kraken kind of have some games in hand when they come out of the break, you know, they're, they're looking good and they're getting all these points while playing less games, you know, so um, it's definitely, definitely good going in the all-star break and they've, they've actually, it, it's, it's been crazy, you know, you were looking it up, Bo, um, and the they've actually played better on the road than they have at home. You know, um, what was their, what was their records at home and away? Yeah. So I'm just the win loss record. Nothing too deep here, but um, yeah, they're sick. They're 16 and seven on the road right now. And they're 13 and 13 at the pledge. So um, it's a little curious to me. And I wonder, you know, um, you know, you being more of the hockey guy here, what, what do you think that is? Do you think that's, I mean, it's not, certainly not playing terribly at home. Right. But um, it's no. uh, yeah. What do you think is related to that? Cause I think the Mariners have also kind of gone through a little bit of that in the past. And, you know, I don't know how much of that's related there of travel or anything like that, but what, 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 what are your thoughts on that? I, you know, I'd like to say there's like a, uh, um, a Mariners factor to this, you know, the Mariners, they play better away sometimes because their their park is such a a hitting ballpark, you know, or a pitching ballpark. Excuse me, you know, it's a it's a pitcher's park. You don't really get that in hockey, and it it's kind of wild. Um, 
because they they definitely play better on the road. And a lot of their they've had two stretches this so far this season where they won seven or more games. Um, the first one, uh, the first three games were at home, and they beat the Rangers, the Kings, and San Jose Sharks. Um, the first two of those being in overtime, but then the last the back half of that was against um, Vegas away, Anaheim away, and the Kings away. And then they came back and won one more game before losing eventually to Florida. Um, you know, and those um, those games away, I, I feel, outside of Vegas, the first stretch were, um, I don't know, pretty, I wouldn't say pretty easy games, but Anaheim's definitely one of the um, worst teams in the league right now. But it it's kind of an anom- anomaly because the second one, they played some high-powered teams. Um, they won eight straight games, seven of... Seven in a row on the road. It was the first time in NHL history that a team um, went on a road trip to seven or more games and won every single game. And the stretch was Edmonton. So you're facing Connor McDavid, Leon, Leon Dreisaitl there. You're playing Toronto, who's, you know, we make jokes about them um, getting first round exits all the every year. But, um, you know, they've got Mitchell Marner. They've got Austin Matthews at the time, who's hurt now. You know they're very high powered. Um, Ottawa was kind of a kind of a wash. Um, they're a good team, but not the greatest. Same with uh, um, Montreal, and then they went into Buffalo and beat them four three. And Buffalo is one of the highest scoring teams in the league. Um, they got one of the best young stars in Tage Thompson right now. And then the the big one here was uh, was in Boston because Boston never loses on the at home. Um, this actually, they won three, nothing. I'm pretty sure this was Boston's first loss at home all season. Well, first regular or uh, regulation loss at least. So that was a big win. And then they went to Chicago and I think you were watching the game at the time. Um, and you said, uh, you, you t- tuned in in the first quarter and they were up six, nothing first 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was, uh... That, I was, was playing to game. watch, and then I saw they were up six nothing, and it's like, oh, hell, I could I'll keep it on while I'm yeah. doing something else. But yeah, no, um, and uh, I feel like that's happened a couple times this year where I've like, I've tuned in the game, I tuned in late for whatever reason, it started at, like a little later, or a little earlier, and um, yeah, I feel like uh, maybe just maybe just my mind, but I feel like they've jumped ahead in a couple different places, or the game maybe seems out of reach at by like the first period or so, but. That might be anecdotal more than anything yeah. else, but um, yeah, I think uh, for, for, I think for coming from my perspective, right, like you're you're listing off kind of like all these things that have seemingly gone just really well for the Kraken this year, and uh, might be jumping ahead mm-hmm. in the show notes here, but I think the I think one of the things for like the city of Seattle and why people have jumped on it so well is because well they've done really well, and I guess the the thought after last year was a little like, Oh, um, you know, just a regular Seattle team going to struggle for a couple of years and we'll see how well they do. But I think, uh, you know, my question might be, and you can jump at the gun here a little bit. is just like, what do you think is, what do you think the reason behind this is? Cause when I look at the roster, right, I don't know if I really see too much change there. Maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong. I know we've kind of like, Guys like Burkowski and Bjorkstrand and Schultz and Martin Jones all came aboard, but like, what do you think like the difference between last year's Kraken team and this year's Kraken team has been? Uh, 
I think that's a good question. I think from what I've been seeing, because I've been at least listening to the radio broadcast, you know, while I'm working or why I'm doing stuff, you know, and then when I'm at home, I'm trying to watch the games. And what I'm seeing is just more, I don't know, fluidity. You know, they, they have been pretty uh, consistent, um, you know, outside of having people injured, they've been pretty consistent on playing a lot of the same lines. And I think those lines are, you know, some of those guys have now been playing for two years together. And then some of those guys, you know, Bjorkstrand comes in and fits in, you know, um, Burkowski has basically been with Beniers all year. You know, actually that's one of the things I put in the notes was um, it the, the line of Burkowski, Burkowski, Beniers and Eberle have, has kind of been the, quote unquote, number one line. Um, So, you know, maybe it's just the fact of them playing more together, you know, and it it sometimes takes a second to get, you know, under someone's coaching style. So you bring all these guys in last year and, and Dave Haxtell has a certain coaching style, you know, and sometimes it takes a year or two to get adjusted, you know, to, to how he wants to play. And it, I'm not saying they weren't good at doing that and adjusting last year, but it just feels like they're taking more of the game plan of what he wants to do. And, and they're, they're putting it to use. They're dropping the puck in, they're chasing the puck down. And then it's just constant offensive pressure, you know, and it, it really, you really can't point to one guy that has been the reason for it because offensively we're, they're a top five team scoring. They, um, you know, I have it down in the notes here. Buffalo's the first, uh, you know, for goals per game. Buffalo's the first team, three point seven six goals per game. Edmonton, three point seven four. Boston, three point seven. Tampa Bay, three point six two. Seattle, three point six one. So they're they're fifth in the league right now in goals per game. But when you look at like individual statistics. The first player on that list for the Seattle Kraken is Andre Burkowski, who is, you know, one of the pickups from this last year. He's got 39 points. That's tied for 88th. The rest of these teams, Buffalo's got Tage Thompson, who is fifth in points. Edmonton's got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. They're both first and second. Boston's got David Pasternak. He's fourth. And Nikita Kucherov is third, you know, so it's, it's really, you know, it's more of a team first mentality than it is a player first. Cause there's not one single player that's going off and, and, you know, being the star of this team. I mean, you could say Beaners has been the star, but he kind of was, you know, you, you made the comparison to Julio. He was the hyped prospect coming in, you know, everyone else has kind of just been like, you know, all oh, these are good pickups, but they've, they've really turned it into a, a team first, not a me first situation. They're spreading the love. Every line scoring, you know, and it's it's just almost completely different, I guess, from last season, where they they really didn't have an offensive identity. Gotcha. Yeah. No, it's um, no, it's fun to watch, and it's fun. Uh, I that color on the team is just really good because I think it's um, I think it just shows just how much they've improved. And like I, I look at the stats, right? I look at some of the basic things like um shooting percentage almost up two percent almost up two percentage points right that's that's huge in the grand scheme of things right um save percentage at five on five up a cup up you know half a percent or so but that's huge in the grand scheme of things it's just uh 
it's interesting to see. And I think from maybe my perspective as like an outsider, you know, looking at the stats, I see like guys almost are, I don't want to say they're peaking, right. We hope that there's more out of them, but like, um, you know, Jared McCann, who was really good last year is, you know, doing continuing kind of the way that he's done it the last year or so still being pretty solid. But like Vince Dunn is peaking at the right time. It seems like his, you know, offensive point shares are higher than where they were last year. Um, Daniel Sprong is a guy that his point shares are peaking. It just seems like this is a team that um, when they kind of drafted or brought them all on, right, they maybe had the expectation that they might get this in a couple of years and they are getting it. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it right now. It's like they drafted a couple of guys that this needed some more time and um, they're, they're benefiting from that. So that's kind of my perspective that I'm seeing from a, from an outsider's perspective or for that. Yep. And, and it's, it's completely wild. When I was writing up the show notes for this, uh, I'm looking at some of the stats and it almost, I wouldn't say it's improbable, you know, cause anything's possible, but some of the stuff is so, it's so wild, you know, being the fifth ranked offensive team, you know, via goals per game is great. They're doing that on 29 shots, you know, almost 30 shots a game, which is significantly lower than any offensive team. And then the one that 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 sticks out to me is they're getting most of their goals on even strength, which is not something that usually should happen, I guess. Um, 23 or their 23rd in point or power play goals per game. Um, you know, put that in perspective. That's they have 29 power play goals per um, this season, the team, the four teams that are above them, Tampa Bay, Boston, Edmonton, Buffalo, um, going that order, 44 goals per game, uh, power play goals this season. Boston has 44, Edmonton has 56 and Buffalo has 44. So, I mean, we're getting all these goals too at even strength five on five hockey, which is just, it almost shouldn't, we shouldn't be as good as we are when we're, 23rd in the league in power play goals per game you know like it just it's almost improbable but what they're doing is working again it's a team first mentality they know when they're even strength you know they've got to they've got to pressure hard and a lot of the situations a lot of stuff that i've seen as i'm watching the game is their offensive pressure on five on five is just keep shooting the puck you know pass it around find your shot and then you know, they kind of dump it in, chase the puck, and and all five of them are right there. You know, ready to ready to try to score a goal, and it it's working for them. So, um, it just it's I'm not saying it's improbable because anything's possible, but they shouldn't be doing as good as they are with some of the statistics that that are on the screen. You know, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, no, the game uh, I was watching the other night it just seems like a relentless. Well, this barrage, I guess that's the way I could describe it, right? Like I watched the first period and it just, it seemed like the, the puck never got across to the other side of the ice, right? It just seems like it's a very aggressive team that puts a lot of pressure on their opponent to stop them. And um, no, it's a fun team to watch and it's a fun team to, I think, follow. Um, I'm a big Maddie Beneers fan um, and that whole group. <laughs> but I think, you know, to tie this to the Mariners, as I do, um, I may pick your brain a little bit about... So like somebody like um, Matty Beneers, we've made the Julio comparison multiple times already. So we'll pass on that yeah. one. Um, yeah. But how about like a guy like Vince Dunn? Where would you, if you were going to comp him to, doesn't have to be a current Mariner, but like a, 
a former mariner of some sort, where would you comp Vince Dunn, Vince Dunn as? See, you asked me this before the show, and I, I couldn't make a good comparison. I think I got one now. I wanted to go um, Gino Suarez, but uh, I don't feel like Vince Dunn is that like wily veteran that come up to me, come up. I mean, he makes big plays, but you know, you know, he's not old. I, I feel like he's more of a, I don't know, a Ty France, almost. Ty he's coming in. He's leading. You know, he's on the same line as Adam Larson. He's their, or he's our number one defensive pairing alongside Adam Larson, and he's just very consistent. You know, he he comes out. He's the the quarterback for the the power play. You know, he he comes out and. He, he directs traffic, although we're not getting a lot of power play goals. He directs, directs traffic, make sure, you know, that the, the puck stays on our side of the blue line. And, uh, you know, it, it's really benefited him. He's had a very consistent season. He's uh, 11th in the league for defensemen with 36 points. Uh, tied for fourth right now with a 26 plus minus, which Adam Larson's actually second with 30. Um, Larson just doesn't have as many points as him. Um, fifth in the even strength goals among defensemen. You know, it, it just, he's very consistent. I would say he's more of a, a Ty France, if anything. Just very consistent, you know, can do a lot of things right. Um, you know, he can he can shoot the puck or he can lay a hit. You know, he kind of does everything. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, that makes sense. That's a good comparison. Maybe like, maybe a little Kyle Seeger-ish-esque there. But, but like, peak, peak, peak like, Kyle Seeger, maybe that's the best way to put it. But yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's definitely... He's definitely a fan favorite. Actually, I've asked a lot of people, right, um, that I see him wearing crack and stuff. So I see him around McCall. I'll say, hell, who's your favorite player? And I've gotten a lot of people saying Vince Dunn. So I think he's quickly becoming a fan favorite, you know, just because of his consistent play. Um, so I guess maybe Kyle Seeger's a better comparison because Kyle Seeger was always a fan favorite, even if he wasn't, you know, one of the best players in the league. You know, I think there's a time where he might peak and, and be one of the base, best players in the league, kind of like Kyle Seeger did, what was it, 2016, mm-hmm. 2017, you know. But, yeah, definitely becoming a gotcha. fan team. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I guess what I might be a little curious to hear your thoughts about is uh, the goalie situation. I think you described, you talked a little bit about Martin Jones and Philip Grubauer and kind of the crew there. Um, but uh, yeah. I think, you know, from my perspective – kind of where would you put Martin Jones on like a, if you're, if, if I'm saying like a one through five starter in baseball, right. Maybe Martin Jones is what a three, four, a four starter. Like where would you put Martin Jones on that kind of spectrum there? Very, very middle of the road right now. Very middle of the road. Okay. Three. He's the, just the, just for some stats here for a second. Uh, just when I was looking, he's second in wins this season so far with 23. Only Linus Olmark in Boston has more with 25. But then it kind of goes downhill because wins aren't everything. He's 16th in goals against with two, 2.79, which is which is good. You kind of want to probably be around 2.5-ish, you know. And, but then the big one is 29th in save percentage. You know, there's 28 other guys that are better than him. And that one... You know, I feel like you probably should be in the 900 range. You know, you're, you should be stopping nine out of every 10 pucks, and he's below that. So he's he's the three starter 
if you want to make the baseball comparison, he's a three starter who's going to come in and have a 4.5 ERA, but he's going to have 15 wins because offensively, you know, the team's carrying him, you know, um, and he'll have a random shutout here and there. You know, Martin Jones has three shutouts tied for third in the league with three shutouts. Um, but yeah, it's just, he's very, very middle of the road. And I feel, you know, we, we were just talking about the offensive situation when you're watching, they're very aggressive. You know, you feel like the puck's not coming to the other side. I think that's for good reason, because outside of our top defensive pairing, you know, we're not really great on defense. I feel like a lot of our guys are more offensive minded defensemen. And that really doesn't bode well when it comes to, you know, goalies, you know, they want a couple people, you know, even if it's two out of the six defensemen, you want at least two of them that'll come in and, and get in front of you, block some pucks, stuff like that. And I, I feel like we don't have that. So it just makes the goalie situation a little bit harder. And Martin Jones, I, I will say for what it's worth, Martin Jones has come in and surpassed every expectation that uh, we had as fans. Um, he uh, came in, didn't even know if he was going to make the team. Chris Drieger goes down with an injury, isn't going to be with us all season. He makes the team. And Grubauer goes down, gets hurt, and Grubauer hasn't been having the best season, you know, this season, and he wasn't great last season. So then Martin Jones gets pushed into, you know, being the – number one goalie and he's done his job you know he's he's helped kept keep us in 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 games but at the same time there's been some situations there was a game against la one time uh god it was if i look it up it's gonna be la would be so got the stats it was this one right here tuesday november 29th it was at la it was a 9-8 win in overtime. Every time the Kraken would get up two goals, it felt like Martin Jones was not stopping mm. the puck. They'd get aggressive. They'd seem to take their foot off the gas, and then Jones would let, let up two goals and, and let the Kings back in the game. So I feel like, you know, part of that is, you know, the team kind of letting up on him, and part of that is his fault. You know, there's been a couple games like that where, you know, they've allowed teams to get back in and either – take the win or we've had to go to overtime to win. Um, So I, you know, that's one of the things we're going to get to, but I feel like this could be something that they address during the trade deadline, Um, their trade deadlines in March. So it's coming up pretty quick, but if, if, you know, we got to see the first couple weeks coming out of the all-star break, because um, if they do well, I, I mean, why not just keep your foot on the gas and try to make the playoffs? But if you want to make a deep playoff run, you're going to have to probably, you know, get some better goaltending. I'm not saying to replace Martin Jones because he's been a big part of, of, um, you know, how we've gone through the first half. But um, someone like Grubauer, you got to really, I know he's got a lot of years. He's still got four years left on his deal. You got to make a decision. Like, are you going to roll with him? Is he going to bounce back or are you going to kind of cut your losses there? And it's a little different. You know, I was trying to look up the cap situation um, and, and the cap situation is very, very different in the NHL. I'll say, you know, a lot of teams don't have open cap because they, you know, 
they trade it away or they, they, you know, they'll pick up in trades. They'll say, oh, we'll retain like 50% of the salary, you know? So it's a little different in the NHL. So maybe they don't have the salary to do it, but they've got to, they've got to get a little more consistent in the goaltending. And, you know, if it's possible, may look towards the trade deadline to kind of address that. Cause I think they're paying Grubauer. I think probably the most right. Like, I think Grubauer makes like six million dollars, something like that, right now. I think I think it's six point five. Yeah. I think that's his average is six point gotcha. five. Okay, so it'll be interesting to me because it's not because you know Martin Jones, Grubauer, they're not the long term solutions there. But um, I mean, it, it really kind of seems with the trajectory of the teams going right now. Um, uh, you tell me if I'm crazy, right? But if we get a, if we get a goalie in there, um, I think if the offense continues to incline like it has, um, I think we're really talking about, you know, some, I mean, we already are kind of on the cusp of, you know, I think there's already projection systems out there saying that pretty good lock for the playoffs at this point. Um, potentially going to be a lock for not a lock, but potentially going to be contending for the Stanley cup. And, um, I think, they might be teetering on like, uh, do we try to go for a win now? Right. Like we're, we're this close. Mm-hmm. Um, is it something that's worth doing or are we, you know, don't want to jump the gun here. I don't really know how to value quite like prospects in the hockey realm against like, um, baseball, right. To like, to go out and find a to go out and find a, uh, to find a goalie. But I think that would be kind of curious, right? Do we go out and to make a comparable to go get like a Luis Castillo, right? Like, do we sell the farm to go get it because we're mm-hmm. that close? And I, I'll be, I'll be interested to see, you know, I'll have to go more and kind of scour the, the trade market to see who even might be out there right now. But, um, mm-hmm. I'd be, I'll be, I'll be interested to see if this is a team that because they've only been at it for two years. Right. Um, if they think that now is the time to strike, um, I think that would be, mm-hmm. I think that would be a lot of fun if they did. Um, but I also know that they probably don't want to ruin a good thing if they have it going. So um, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think they'll, do you think they'll sell the farm? Do you think they'll try to go get somebody or do you think they're going to stand pat? I, like I said, it's, it's probably going to be the first two weeks, maybe three that we're going to have to look at after the all-star break to really determine, Hey, are we going to go get this, you know, make a playoff run or, or are we going to just stand pat and kind of let the process take, take shape. And it, it's so difficult because coming out of the all-star break, we've got, let's see, we got the Islanders. They just made a big play for Bo Horvat from, from Vancouver. So they got a little better. Um, and then we, we go on, you know, we're coming out in a road trip. Who we've been better on the road. So we've got the Islanders, we got New Jersey, we got the Rangers, the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, and then we got Winnipeg. Um, you know, that's basically that's week one, and then we come home, play Philly and Detroit. So like I would say probably the Philly or, De- or Detroit game is where we decide, okay, are we doing this or not? And if we do, we're gonna have to start scouring and um you know I would like to see them maybe potentially get a goalie. Um, not, not something a lot of the, I would say, quote unquote professionals would say, um, you know, but there's, there's a lot of intriguing uh, trade deadline people or players that are on the market right now. Uh, one namely being Eric Carlson. Um, he, he's a defenseman for the 
San Jose Sharks. San Jose's uh, doing very terrible this season. Um, they are in the Pacific Division, and they are seventh with 41 points, 51 games played. And Eric Carlson has been um, the Norris, I wouldn't say the Nor- Norris Trophy front runner, but he's certainly been the, you know, one of the top three best defensemen in the league offensively. You know, he kind of is dicey on defense, on defense, but, um, you know, if we decide, hey, we're going to go for it, I could see us making a play for Eric Carlson, who immediately comes in and and makes a big jump for us on defense, you know, and you were mentioning something about, you know, you don't know the, how the prospects work, you know, out, you know, Mariners traded the farm to go get Luis Castillo. Um, it, it could be the same situation for the Kraken. You know, it, it would be very dumb for San Jose not to say, okay, we'll trade you Eric Carlson. But the, the thing we want is Shane Wright, who was the number three pick last season. You know, um, he's kind of, he's kind of, you know, I wouldn't say he's the number one prospect in the league, but he's one that if, if we did a high profile trade, he would be included, you know? Um, so San Jose would kind of, kind of be dumb not to ask for him. Um, but yeah, again, the, the first three weeks, uh, coming out of the break are going to tell you if this team's going to go for it or not. And I, I tell you what, it's going to be exciting either way. Cause even if you, you know, you say, Oh, we're not going to do anything. You say, trust the process. This team as it is, has shown, you know, they're scrappy. They're going to come out and score a bunch of goals. You know, you got to keep pace with them. So. Gotcha. So what I'm hearing is I need to watch more hockey these next couple, these next couple of weeks here. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hearing here. That's from, from what I'm hearing oh, here. So absolutely. You should just, you should still watch hockey regardless, but the fact that you've got a team that plays 30 minutes from you, you, you should really be intrigued. So, it's going to bring some excitement for Seattle. So I object to the, I object to the late night games of the Kraken. Like, when I say late night, remember I have a one year old, so I'm I'm up. I go to sleep really early, but like, um, I really want to get to the pledge, and I'll get there eventually. But like, I'm just not going to be able to get there with 7 p.m. games, and I just need like a Sunday. I need a Sunday day game. That's what I need. Sunday day game. But let's let's look. Uh, eight eight thirty eight thirty eight five. Oh, here you go. Sunday, February twenty sixth. They play. Toronto at home at five o'clock. Five o'clock, still too late. There you still go. Still too late. That's late in the day. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! Here we go. Two p.m. Saturday, March eighteenth. Two p.m. Oh, against Edmonton too. Yeah, I might. You're gonna see two two of the best players might, in the league. Might. There you go. Get your tickets now because you know they're gonna go quick for might, for Edmonton. Might end up doing that. Might end up doing that. Yep. There you go. But yeah, no, it's it's gonna be exciting. You know, you've got Matty Benares, who's Calder Cup favorite. Calder Cup is like the rookie of the year for the uh, NHL. Um, you know, they might go out and get Eric Carlson, who's in the running for Norris Trophy considerations. Norris Trophy would be like the Cy Young for defensemen, you know. So it's just, it's exciting, you know. But there's a lot of things that need to go right this second half. You know, Beaners needs to come back and be even better. He's got to he's got to stay on. You know, make the baseball comparison. He's got to stay on that trajectory that Julio was on. You know, he didn't start out great, and then 
you know, progress to doing, you know, being the best player on the team. That's what Beniers has got to do. You know, Kraken got to tighten up defensively, you know, tighten up between the pipes, you know, figure out who's going to be the number one goalie, you know, and then, and, you know, if they're going to go for it, make a move on the trade deadline, you know. They do have the draft capital. That's another thing with the, in regards to the trade deadline. They do have the draft capital. Um, they have a lot of picks the next couple seasons. Um, you know, it, if if they decide to go for it, they could certainly be trading picks as well. You know, which is more of a NFL thing. You know, you don't see many picks getting traded in MLB, if at all. Sounds a little Mariner-ish. The Mariners have three picks in the for this first this next draft upcoming so um and one pick that they can trade so sounds a little mariner-ish so the the, the parallel yeah the parallels between this between the kraken and, and the mariners are very very they're very comparable you know they're very i think the uh, i think the kraken thing. had much better success early on in their career than the seattle mariners though so i think that might be one hitch in that one i think they probably had much much better success than the mariners for the first you know almost two decades the mariners yeah but 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 think about this the seahawks they made the playoffs weren't supposed to do well mariners broke their 21 year playoff drought made the playoffs kraken in their second year of existence could potentially make the playoffs. You know, it's still not a certain thing. The Sounders are going to come back healthier. They're going to have Jordan Morris. They can make a run in the MLS playoffs. And then the Storm are perennial powerhouses in the WNBA. So they'll probably be in the playoffs, if not contending for a title. So that's five Seattle sports teams right now, you know, that could be making the playoffs or, or contending for titles. And, that's never happened in Seattle. You know, I think Seattle as a whole, you know, when it comes to sports, they've got bright futures in every one of their sports. You know, Seahawks have a lot of a lot of rookies that shine this year. They've got a lot of picks next season. Mariners have a young team. Kraken, they're finding their footing. You know, it's just would you? It's exciting time to be a Seattle Mariners or a Seattle. Would you say that the Kraken, like I'm looking at like the Vegas Knights over the last couple of seasons and they obviously broke in and they made the Stanley cup final in their first season. Phenomenal story. The whole works. They seem to have kept it going for a couple of seasons. Like they made the first round and then they made the conference finals. And then it looks like they've may have come back just a little bit, but like, what do you think the Kraken will have to do to kind of, I guess keep this up, right? It kind of seems like it's been a little, it has been a little up and down, right? Like they weren't great last year. They kind of bounced back this year. How do we make sure that, what do you think they're going to have to do to kind of keep this going? I think into 2024, right? If, uh, if it all goes well. I think the first thing they need to do is not compare themselves to Vegas. I think that's what hurt them in the, in the first year, at least fan wise, don't compare yourselves to Vegas. Um, I think they've got a lot of players on good deals. So they just need to continue to hit on their draft picks, you know, to, to really, you know, continue to be young, you know, outside of the goalie situation, you know, you're not going to need much more on offense, you know, if they're, they're sharing the love. So um, just continue to hit on draft picks, get, continue to, to build on, on what they're doing. Uh, they have a new, uh, a new expansion AHL team, you know, Seattle Kraken come in, 
and have they have a minor league system. So AHL is their minor league. And last year they had to split the team with Charlotte or not Charlotte, uh, Carolina, the Charlotte checkers. Um, so this year they have their own AHL team and they're the Coachella Valley firebirds. If I'm not mistaken, um, you've seen a bunch of their, you've probably seen a bunch of their, um, stuff when you go to the Kraken theme store, they do have a, a section full of Coachella Valley and they have had one of the best, um, AHL teams so far this season. So, um, you know, the future, the future is, is bright for them because of what they're doing in the AHL. So they just need to continue to build on that and, you know, continue to bring those stars up. Shane Wright got sent back to the, um, OHL, which is way in the minors, you know, junior hockey, but let him find his footing and then he's going to come up and do something, you know, the next season when we, you know, have some draft picks, you know, either send them to junior hockey or put them in AHL, let them grow, bring them up. You know, you know, it, it, it's a lot like in that sense, it's a lot like baseball where you've got, you know, three or four minor league teams. Basically it's, it's a little more, it's a little more hard to explain because those minor league teams aren't necessarily yours. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to like junior hockey, you know, you're, you're sending the player back to their, team that you know has their rights you know so they're not necessarily your minor league team they're but they're helping you develop Mm -hmm. this kid you know so yeah you'll see a lot of you know you're close to the thunderbirds seattle thunderbirds and everett went uh god dang it everett silver tips that's their name and portland winterhawks those are all the whl teams over there You'll see a lot of, if you open up their program, you'll see a lot of players that have already been drafted. And that means, you know, their team that drafted them said, okay, you're not ready quite yet. Go back to the juniors. You know, we have your rights though, you know, continue to develop. So that's what you're going to see probably with a lot of the draft picks for, for Seattle coming up. So if they stay within North America, now it gets a little more dicey if you're drafting from, you know, the rest of the world. Awesome. Well, I think everybody should, uh, I think everybody should get on it at this point. It's, um, yeah, no man, it's, uh, it's exciting. It's an exciting time. Like you described, exciting time to Seattle and, uh, exciting time to be a Seattle sports fan. Yep. Yep. That's the one thing I put in the notes at the end. Features looking bright, you know, but not just for the Kraken for everyone. So, Anyways, that's what we got for you today. Unless, Bo, we, we got a trivia question? It's not a hockey trivia question. It's a Mariner trivia question. That's so You know, let's let's do the Mariners trivia question. I, I like it. Okay. Well, um we'll see if you know the answer to this one. Um Let's see here. Who is the only Seattle Mariner to throw an immaculate inning? Oh. Oh God. It's it's gotta be Felix. It's gotta be Felix. Is that your final answer? Yeah, it's probably wrong. It's gotta be Felix though. Come on now. The answer is Felix Hernandez. What year was that? Two thousand eight. So actually quite a while ago. Yeah. That's 
It wasn't during his, his perfect game. It was it? not, no, no. Uh, but the Mariners have actually had, uh, let's see, I think four Immaculate Innings thrown against them before three. So, um, <laughs> Who threw them? Please enlighten uh, us on that. Let's see. Zach Roscup. Um, that was, wow. uh, as also, that's also funny to see the hitters here. He threw it against Kyle Seeger, Ryan Healy, and Cameron Mabin. Um, oh, the other oh, one oh, oh, was, Cameron the Mabry. other one was, oh. uh, Stan Belinda in 1994 against Eric Anthony, Chris Howard, and Luis Soho. So interesting there. Oh, Luis um, Soho. But listen to this one. This oh. one's quite interesting. Uh, Pedro Martinez threw an immaculate inning against the Mariners in 2002 against Ichiro Suzuki, Mark McElmore, and Ruben Sierra. So, God. There you go. You know, maybe one of these days we'll get into discussions about, like, greatest pitchers of all time. Pedro is certainly up there in my book as one of the greatest pitchers of all time. It was so fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, we'll get it. We'll get into it sometime. But uh, you know, for as good as Pedro was, Pedro said there was always one hitter that scared him when he would walk to the plate, um, and that is Mister Edgar. That's Martinez. right. That's the one. So, um, yeah, we'll gush about it some other time. But uh, you know. yeah, that maybe maybe plan it a little bit further out. I like it, but. Yep. Oh, with that being said, for all our listeners in the Puget Sound Pacific Northwest and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. Next week, Bo and I plan on going over the Mariner schedule for the next season. You know, we've got some uh, we got some big games and big series coming up. So, what games stand out to us? Um, what games should we be worried about? You know, you're gonna have to come back next week and and find out our opinions. So. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys next week on the Forks Down Podcast.